Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786-708-0813 or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at 786-708-0813 to set up your consultation. All right, I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of ours, and it's one that is very relevant to the moment. They're a new division of Greenview Construction, and they are called Making America Clean Again. Making America Clean Again holds certificates in bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. They offer professional cleaning, sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilization services to a wide range of residential and commercial projects. You can do overnight ozone UV generator treatments or even permanently install UV ionized advanced oxidation technology into your HVAC system. Now, we know and understand, and quite frankly, we hope, that businesses across the state and nation remain shuttered as long as absolutely necessary to beat back the spread of the coronavirus. But when that time finally comes, it's having that certificate to display at your workplace showing that it has been properly cleaned by a licensed professional and maintained will go a long way to restoring that customer trust. So for more information, you can look up Making America Clean Again. You can go to their website at www.macainc.net or you can just call them at 855-561-6653. Again, that's 855-561-6653. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And we're going to do something a little bit different this week. We're going to talk about the bottom of the roster and who are the five most important players in the bottom of that roster. And I'm just, I'm going to go a few names that I have here written down and I could throw them out to you guys 
and we could go rapid fire to start this and then we'll go in depth on those bottom five. And I'm just going to give you a name and you can tell me makes the team does not make the team makes a contribution, any contribution, your thoughts. I'll start with you, Simon. This guy was a, a name in college for a while. And if you look at the wide receiver group, uh, I would say that the bottom of that wide receiver group, if they're going to keep six, is wide open. I'll give you two names. I'll give you three names. Well, we talked about Kirk Merritt last week, so I'll give you two names. Hey, ten names. Ricardo Lewis, Isaiah Ford. Yeah, Isaiah Ford, I think, has got a really good chance. Um, I, I think Ricardo Lewis probably doesn't. I think there's too much of a log uh, a log jam there because let, let, let's say for argument's sake – Devontae is making the roster. Okay, Preston Williams is making the roster. That's two. Mm. Um, Albert Wilson is making the roster. That's three. You'd assume that Jakeem Grant would be four. Then at that point, well, then you've got Alan Hearns. You've got Mac Hollins, who's got, you know, starting experience in in Philadelphia, fourth rounder. You've got Gary Jennings, who, you know, a lot of teams were high on when he came out of West Virginia. Um, Then I think you've got Ricardo Luis, in a sort of a, a group after that with Kirk Merritt. Malcolm Perry, for me, is the X factor. I think he makes a team one way or another. But I think Isaiah Ford did enough down the stretch to give him the inside leg up on the fifth-slash-sixth receiver position. I, I, I have trouble thinking that Alan Hearns is going to make the team, I've got to say. Um, but we shall see. I know he signed the contract, but, you know... Um, it was a weird extent. What was it? I mean, it's 8 million with 3.27 million guaranteed. So, you know, it's not the end of the world. If he suddenly disappears off the roster, it's not a huge amount of money that we're losing. I think there might end up being better players. And I suspect if we kept six, it might be Parker, Williams, Wilson, Grant, Ford, and then a sort of X factor of Perry that flits around from tailback to running back to special teams, ace to kind of do it all mighty mouse kind of thing. Mm. To be fair, yeah. To be fair, though, about Alan Hearns, I mean, we wouldn't have expected him to get that extension at all. Absolutely. Um, and so, it felt like a panic, though, didn't it, Chris? It felt like a yeah, panic extension. Yeah. It did. Um, and, uh, and so it was, it was surprising. So what, uh, what I'm trying to get at is maybe they like something there that we don't. Um, and, and you have to account for that. Uh, Matt Collins is a guy that was on the roster and was in games last year, you know? Mm. Um, and... Uh, Whereas some of the, you know, Gary Jennings, I don't know how much they like him or how much they don't. Kirk Merritt, you know, we've talked about him. Um, Ricardo Lewis, I just don't give much of a chance at all. Uh, and Collins is different, isn't he? Because he's a big unit. He's what, six foot four, 225 pounds. He's, he's different, isn't he? I, know, I mean, I know and Devontae. he's a good special teams player. Yeah, I, I think. absolutely. And, and so he, he runs down, I mean, he runs downfield. He can run vertically. He can be a vertical threat. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, he's a he's a really big player and a good special teams player and and a high character guy. Yeah. Um, so so I think that you can't you can't count him out really. But Isaiah getting to Isaiah Ford, it probably is between Isaiah Ford and Alan Hearns. It feels like right um, for that for that final spot, particularly if if you try and think about a slot specialist. Yeah, which they don't necessarily even have on the top four, the top four that we've named. Right um, between Preston Williams and Devonte Parker, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, you know Albert Wilson can play the slot, but he's you know I, I don't think he's a real 
route running slot specialist that way um, that hasn't been as history was, necessarily. And, and in his year here where he was really good, uh, it was obvious to everybody who saw him that he was best on the perimeter. He was best outside. Yeah. The and, interesting and question. Jakeem too. No, go on, Chris. Yeah. 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 The interesting question is now, I suppose, in, these, in this new, brave new world of Changeli's is that what is a mm. slot receiver now in these four and five receiver sets? Because, you know, much like with the Jets when they, um, when Chan was last an offensive coordinator and they essentially used the tight end as the fourth receiver, mm. you just wonder, you know, the, the word slot receiver and what we all assume as what a slot historically is doesn't necessarily, I mean, it isn't quite the same as it, do you know what I mean? It's not really, nope. you know. Yeah, it's not a Chad O'Shea offense anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. Yeah, it's entirely possible that the slot receiver is Mike Kosecki, and he's no longer. Yeah. A quarter. Well, he's going to be one of them. <laughs> yeah, hundred uh, percent. You know, and the other one's one hundred percent going to be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a great. That's a great. That's a great point. It's a great question. Um, you know, thinking about, I think. I think uh, I'm trying to th- figure if this was this is back in t- was Chan there in 2017. Um, oh, I think he left, hadn't he? Yeah. Uh, was he was so. he already gone by then? Okay, so it was 2016. So. Okay. Um, who's the tight? Who's the Jets tight end that they had? That well, they had some... they had Quincy Anunwa, the uh, the the, yeah, the conver- but... converted guy, um, as as sort of the slot, and uh, and he was a hybrid wide receiver you know, wide receiver and uh, tight end. Concussion. Out. Yeah, well, also, <laughs> <laughs> also that. Um, but, yeah, they, but they, did, they did use him in the slot. I think – I wonder if Eric Decker ever graced the slot. Um, they had Eric Decker and, and Brandon Marshall, if you remember. Yeah, um, I'm sure he probably so, did. Decker must have played out the slot. Yeah, I would think, I would think so. Jalen Marshall um, was on that team as well, I believe. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting question. It's uh, do we, do we, if this were Chad O'Shea, we would still be looking for Isaiah Ford or Alan Hearns yeah. as a sort of a, a technical slot. And, um, and maybe now we're not, I mean, didn't, didn't Chan Gailey when he was here, didn't he use Chris Chambers in the slot a bunch? And, yes, he <laughs> yeah, did. Um, and it's a great effect too. Yeah. And you, using them on those, uh, the sort of those, uh, the slot fades and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, really. And, and, we used to use Kenny Stills like that. That was why he was he had such good numbers from the slot. He was uh, he was running verticals. Um, and don't don't slot. forget Isaiah. Isaiah was an outside receiver for the most part of Virginia Tech, wasn't he? I mean, that was where his oh, yeah, position it was. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you know, and I thought he you know I thought he played well towards the the back end of the season. I think he had a really good game at the Jets um, down the stretch um, when when Jason Sanders kicked nineteen field goals or how many it was and. Um, He's that kind of Steve Breston kind of player, isn't he? I think, and uh, he, intriguing. I think, I think he's an intriguing guy who might just, you know, they, they clearly like him because he's kept kicked around the roster for a couple of years, and we shall see. Well, the last four games, uh, the last four games of the season, he had um, a total of, I believe, uh, two hundred and thirty-five yards, you know, and uh, receiving. So, I mean, that's quite that's quite a bit. Um, you know, he had 21 catches and 235 yards. And he looks so the part, right? Like, he's a, he's an NFL receiver. You watch him you watch him play, you know he's mm-hmm. an NFL receiver. Yeah, he's 6'2", 189. Um, not, not particularly fast, but, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's a good receiver. Um, yeah, so you do, you, you do wonder about him. I think, 
if there's an effort to cut cut some fat, obviously, then Alan Hearns will be gone. And um, and in walks a uh, a cheaper, probably Isaiah Ford. At the risk um, of being really, really unpopular in the, on this podcast, because to be to be honest, I'm also a fan. Jakeem Grant, it's time he actually puts up some numbers, like actual a, tangible numbers. This year, he's at, well, he's at risk because of injury. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the, I mean, if you think about if you think about the fact that he can't he can't stay on the field and he's so small. Yes. And you know, that's, that's two things that but don't damn go it when he plays. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I know that people get, get a little bit, you know, I think they confuse his lack of availability with on field ability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because they, what they see is, is a player that just never goes out and, and impacts because, but that's, that's in part because he's not there um, a lot of the time. And, and that's, that's important. That's a bad that's combination being small and not there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, you're to right. Be fi- to be five seven and to miss the last back end of the last two seasons because one you had an Achilles injury mm-hmm. in week ten and underwent surgery and then you were put on IR with a high ankle sprain. To mm-hmm. be five five seven, one hundred and seventy pounds dripping wet is not a good look. If you are no, it's not full extensive long term employment in the NFL. Now yeah. that said, that yeah, said, I took I I took a very extensive look you know because we're trying to figure out now we have a new quarterback in in the QB room obviously and we won't say his name because we said we weren't going to say his name in this podcast <laughs> um and so we Josh have a new Rosen? quarterback no i said new quarterback oh, okay. <laughs> no i said quarterback <laughs> okay um, Rudolph? So, okay yeah uh so we have a new quarterback in the room and i'm trying to fi- we're trying to figure out what fits him and obviously we've seen um all the tape uh, at Alabama and stuff. So, so we kind of have an idea of like these, you've got a lot of these faster, quicker guys that are really good getting off the line, really good getting into their breaks, you know, very quickly, um, and, and creating quick separation. And, and that's where, that's where you saw, um, the offense in Alabama excel so much or, or throwing deep. Right. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's, absolutely. that was kind of the, so, so you look at Jakeem Grant and that's that that's his game. I mean, if you look at if you look at him off the line of scrimmage, he's he's nearly impossible to jam uh off yeah. the line of scrimmage because he's he's a small target and he's too quick for everybody. He's mm-hmm. super duper fast, so he creates a lot of immediate separation. And um and obviously he can get open, he can get pretty pretty open deep because it's just so fast and i looked yeah. at all and he's damn know, near impossible the, to keep off the boundary as if you watch him on those seven and seven drills like jesus like nobody yeah. can nobody can guard him nobody yeah it, it's yeah. tough and and so you look at well maybe with quarterback with um a little bit better timing you know the, that gets the ball out quicker that uh, can layer the football a little bit better into um into into the areas different areas of the field um maybe Maybe he's – I mean, a quarterback that's accurate enough that he's not afraid of a smaller strike zone is probably going yeah. to help him excel a little bit better, or at least I would think. And I've I, got a question really for you a, then. Go on, finish okay. your point, and then I've got a question for you. So what I was going to say is it's really about what Jakeem can do for him, though, uh, because, because it is about, about that getting off the line of scrimmage quickly and not getting delayed and then creating that quick separation that's what that's what made Alabama so goddamn deadly is uh, is how quick that football could come out to a guy who would 
been able to create, you know, a good three, four feet of separation because he was just so quick off the line and into his break. I mean, that's what that, that really created that offense to me. And, um, and so I am intrigued by him. Apologies to Matt Cole, who we left off. Um, yeah. The, the D2 star when we were talking about receivers. Look, I've got a little game for both of you then. We've got Matt Cole, Isaiah Ford, Jakeem Grant, Matt Collins, Alan Hearns, Gary Jenkins, Ricardo Luiz, Kirk Merritt, Devontae Parker, Malcolm Perry, Preston Williams, and Albert Wilson currently um, on the roster at wide receiver. Who are, in terms of likeness, who is our Devonta uh, Smith? Who is our Jalen Model? Who is our Henry Ruggs? And who is our Jerry Judy? If we're going to play the matching the Alabama receivers to what we have on the roster. Oh, I got, who that. Is first, I got that. I got first, that good. First of all, who is Devonta? Who is Devonta Smith? Let's have a name from both of you. I, I think it's Devonte Parker. Is Devonta? That's Smith. who I'd say too. Yeah. Mm. Chris, and I think I got Preston Williams as Judy and Ruggs as Albert Wilson. I, I think Waddle. I think Waddle is has got to be Albert Wilson. Um, yeah. To me, uh, they even I run think alike. That, I think yeah, exactly. And and even uh, as far as rugs, I think the rugs to Jakeem Grant uh, comparison yeah. is is just nails is, is right on. Um, a little bit of trouble with Judy because, you know, how can we say that? either Devonte Parker or Preston Williams are like Jerry Judy, you know, when there's yeah. clearly such a different makeup going on there physically and, and in the way that they play. Then again, uh, there's more similarities with, between Preston Williams and Jerry Judy, certainly than, yeah. um, than other, other people on the roster. I, I, I don't think we have a Judy, but uh, Preston Williams feels potentially the most likely. He's he's such a good route runner. That's what yeah, that's what is. I think. That's you know that's the match. You really look at him, and, and you look at because I was looking at we we're we we're kind of going back. Alf and I were going back and forth on this today, and and I, I was looking at all of Preston Williams' work this year, and then I was looking at all of Devontae Parker's work, and I, I was almost just like a little perplexed at how Devontae did what he did because he doesn't get open, uh, and mm. and that's what, and I don't I'm not trying to dig on him too much. It's just that like a lot of what you see him do what you see like either see space given to him by the defense and and ryan fitzpatrick finds him which is great um or you see uh he's not open he's got a corner on top of him or in his hip pocket but ryan fitzpatrick throws the ball in a good spot and it's like go do something he's a contested yeah he's a contested catch winner isn't he that's what he is. That's what yeah. that's what he does, and he did it unbelievably well, mm-hmm. especially the, in the second half of the year. Yeah, and for so, whatever reason, Devontae Parker runs routes with faith that that his quarterback's going to get him the ball, and Preston Williams actually tries to mm-hmm. help his quarterback get him. Yeah, Preston Williams gets open. I mean, yeah. he's yeah. he's got quick feet. He does. He's got quick feet. He's he for really a big man as well. Yeah. I've got another question for you, because yeah, absolutely. So we. Uh, the news came out in the San Francisco press um, and, and obviously the three of us had already talked about it because I'd had it confirmed beforehand that, that the Dolphins were going to select Brandon Ayuk in the first round um, and then the 49ers jumped over them to take him at pick 25 and then we traded out at 26 down to 30 and took Noah. Where do you think Brandon Ayuk would have fitted into this team first of all and would he would he be any closer to any of the Alabama receivers? I think he would have. I think it's obvious he would have started, and they would have tried to train one of these other guys into into one of these spots. But 
I think uh, that that story that you you evidently broke first was, I think it was more of a BPA thing. It was one of those players that they just could not pass up. And yeah, I would say yeah, he would have fit in from day one. He would have started from day one. He's, you know, he's an, a definite first round wide receiver, and he would have seen targets from day one. I've got a very funny story about that. Actually, Alan Poupart, the um, the sports now Sports Illustrated Dolphins writer, <laughs> tweeted something about um, about <laughs> about um, the Jeff Ireland admitting that the the intel that the Saints had was that the Dolphins were going to take Caesar Ruiz, which is why they, despite not having a second round pick, I have serious doubts about that. Into us that, that we were going to take Ruiz anyway. Um, so I, I I tweeted back to Alan to say. You know, and the other issue was the potential drafting of Brandon Ayuk, who, who I'm told, you know, from a rock solid source that the Dolphins were gonna were gonna take. And I got a reply from some guy that just said, "Well, actually, it said Lir, L-I-R. And I was like, I- "I'm sorry, mate, I don't, I don't understand what that is." And then he replied, "Liar." And I was like, oh, "Okay, I mean, I'm come on to social media on a Sunday to to make up a story. I mean, why? Why would I do that?" And then he to gain attention, he replied. Maybe you know Brandon so Ayuk, like, and and and, and uh, you have a stake yeah. in him in his next contract to get, or whatever. To gain attention, and I was like, mate, seriously, it's like five o'clock on a Sunday. Do you really think I'm going to come onto social media and in a two-way conversation, not even tweet out myself, just in a two-way conversation, I'm going to make you try and like me more by saying this, liar? And I'm like, mate, I'm not, I'm not lying. So I ended up blocking the guy. Turns out he had five different accounts. So he just kept tweeting me going, ah, you blocked me, but I'm still here. And I was like, brilliant. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, seriously, I like mate. Is this I, the- following I love him. that. I love that. He was like, he was like, is this the best you've got? And I was like, honestly. And I said to him, is this the best you've got? And he was like, no, I gave my best to your wife last night. And I was like, oh, this guy's getting better. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. So weak, mate. And then I'd end up blocking him. And then like two minutes later, I'd get another account that was just like, well, you thought you blocked those other three accounts, but I'm still here. And your wife was brilliant last night. I was like, mate, seriously, <laughs> grow up. And then yeah. block. And then I get I love like, this eventually, eventually, and this went on for like 45 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a 47-year-old man. And I'm sat here on a Sunday afternoon blocking like some 15-year-old kid who's wanking himself into a sock in his mum's basement. <laughs> anyway, in the end, he actually invented, he created a brand new twitter persona so you already had five fucking accounts then he created a sixth account which had no followers and no um and he wasn't following anybody and he still fucking messaged me going well you blocked me five times but here's another one i've got six so if you are listening which i'm sure you're not but if you're listening kudos to you for being such a monstrous bellend but you know ultimately you know get back to your sticky socks I, I love it. I love it. Right, love honestly. That. That's, that's, honestly. That's amazing. All right. That's, uh, well, let's, anyway. let's move on to the offensive line a little bit here. Uh, I think we can all agree. It's Austin Jackson. It's Eric Flowers on the left side. Unless you guys have something that I don't know about. No, I think that's right. Okay. I mean, probably. Last... Unless, unless Austin. Well, consider this. I'll just make one quick point. Okay. Uh, we've had such turmoil with the offensive line coaching, right? Um And part of it was, you know, we hire a guy last year and he refuses to put the young guys on the field or, or at least that was the perception that that he was not putting Michael Dieter and, and younger players out on the field. And then they got rid of him. And so they got rid of that offensive line coach and 
then the other guy puts the young guys on the field and they suck. Um, so what's going to happen this time around? Who, who backed Austin Jackson? Was it front office or was it coaching staff? It's probably a little bit of both, but I mean, still. Um, and could there be the possibility that we're getting through training camp and the coaching staff is like, you know, no, nah, he's just not getting it yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting, actually. possible. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. There's a piece Albert Breer in his MMQB piece today um, had a section uh, with this sort of offensive line summit that Joe Panos, from Joe Panos, the offensive lineman, uh, he worked with Bryant McKinney back in 2008 um, and sort of got McKinney into shape when when Bryant sort of did his did his comeback. Anyway, he's been um, he's essentially uh, he lives in Arizona and apparently he found this high school field in Scottsdale, a gym. Uh, and housing essentially that's going to be suitable for for what as Bria says a bunch of outsized 20 somethings and the appetites they bring with them so Michael Dieter Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson along with uh Hajda Frodholt of New England Tyler Biadash Ben Breederson of Baltimore and and Bo Ben Schwazel of of Detroit all flew into Arizona all flew into Scottsdale on Sunday they're all repped by the same agency all repped by Panos he's the agent and essentially a sort of a mini training camp just for offensive linemen. I think it's fascinating, though, that Hunt, Dieter and Jackson are all essentially working together. So they're working together, living together, training together. McKinney's helping out. Uh, I think McKinney's helping out with Jackson. Um, But the funny thing is that Austin Jackson's mum has been drafted in because she's the one that lives nearest. So it says if Panos is putting his culinary skills to work, he'll be the team chef for the week to, for the two weeks too. But he's enlisted Austin Jackson's mum because she's local to help him with breakfast and lunch. And he's going to man the grill for dinner. So Austin Jackson's mum is going to be living with Jackson, Dieter and Robert Hunt. Get ready in this, in this kind of two weeks sort of camp, which I thought was fascinating. So so what each day they're going to have this plan. They'll all attend their own individual team Zoom meetings for two hours a day with their teams. And then they'll all go and lift together at this local gym. But then they'll just go and work out and do stuff together, eat lunch together. Then early afternoon, they'll head out into this field and and do four or five hours of offensive line work, footwork, all that sort of thing in in the Arizona sun, which I think is um, fascinating to see those three boys working together. So, All right. So let me ask you this question, okay, to both of you. Uh, since we have the left hand left hand side of the of the line set, technically, last year's guards were Shaq Calhoun, Michael Dieter. Tell me their fate, and then give me your right side of the line. I'll start with you, Chris. I don't think either of them is well. I, as of right now, I am not sure that either of them is going to make the team. Uh, really? Shaq Calhoun or uh, or Michael Dieter. Wow. Um, you know it's. I hate to say it, but Eric Flowers has certainly uh, replaced one of them. Absolutely. And, or replaced, uh, well, Michael Dieter in particular mm-hmm. at left guard. And then if you look at uh, the right side, it's, it's either going to be – I mean, it's, it's going to be some combination of Robert Hunt and Jesse Davis on the right side. Like either it could be right tackle Jesse Davis or it could be right tackle Robert Hunt. In fact, we think that Robert Hunt is going to be given the opportunity to earn that job first. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, where do they play now? How many, how many linemen Nowhere. do we keep? Nine? Eight? Typically nine, I think. Um, so, and- so, you'd say that Julian Davenport probably makes it as a swing tackle, right? He's a, 
you know, yeah, that's what I think. Workable swing tackle that you, a backup tackle. So there's one. Jesse Davis two. Flowers three. Hunt well, Jesse four. Davis is going to be starting, right? You know, but what yeah. I'm saying is these are, these are just guys that are going. They're going to make it, aren't they? Davenport oh, right, right, okay, yeah. So that's one. Davis is going to make the roster two. Flowers is going to make the roster three. Hunt's going to make the roster four. Jackson's going to make the roster five. Karras is going to make the roster six. You think Kindley is going to make the roster seven, given they traded up for him. Sure. That leaves mm-hmm. two spots between Shaq Calhoun, Michael Dieter, Jonathan Hubbard, Danny Isadora, Nick Kultmeyer, Adam Pankey, Donnell Stanley, Keaton Keaton. I think Dieter I think, probably makes it, but I well, wouldn't one, be surprised. One key here is okay aside from ted karras name me guys on the roster that have played center that have actually played it right and recently danelle stanley yeah uh keaton sutherland and and danelle stanley and i mean i guess i guess uh, played it a little bit did he okay well i haven't i haven't yeah i haven't seen that but um yeah i mean it's 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 tough because, in particular, because of that, because you you've got to have a backup center, right? Mm-hmm. Um, somebody yeah. with experience. Um, so you know who is that? And right now, if I were if I were forecasting, I would actually say Danelle Stanley is likely to earn that job. Yeah, Michael Dieter's been pushed out out of here like from day the, one, right? The rabbit in the hole is, um, or the ace in the hole, or the. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is um, the guy from New Orleans whose name completely escapes me. The right tackle who went to the Pro Bowl, the right guard who went to the Pro Bowl, who was cut. Oh, Warford. He, yeah, Larry, Larry Warford. Yeah, yeah, and supposedly the Dolphins are in on him, but there's been no movement on that yet. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would love it if they sign him. To be honest, uh, even though you know we think that Robert Hunt or Jesse Davis could man the you know together man the right hand right side i get that but at the same time you know rob or warford is better than any either one of those guys right now and i would say that you have a true competition between jesse davis and robert hunt at that right tackle spot and then i'm guessing if if training camp started tomorrow for argument's sake the first Mm -hmm. five the first the first five players out for the first offensive drill you'd say would be Jackson, left tackle, Flowers, left guard, Karras, center, and operating under the auspices that we'd sign Warford. So Jackson, um, Flowers, Karras, Warford, Hunt, you would say would be the five that would be given the first chance given where Jackson and Hunt were drafted and how high they are on them. That would be an assumption that probably wouldn't be too far wrong. It probably works out like that, but they might give Jesse Davis the first day or something like that. I mean, there, there's typically like a veteran over yeah. young guy deal that I don't know. As far as the you know the depth, you know what I'm talking about the depth charts and stuff like that. So who knows? First days could be Jesse Davis, but certainly they'll be giving Robert Hunt a chance to to gain or lose that job. Is you don't think it's a, it's a possibility that they'll ease Hunt out to right tackle and start him at right guard since it's something that. You know, he it's easy, easier, I should say, for him at the NFL level. Could be. I think, I mean, I, I said to you at the start, I was told that he was going to give, and I think the, the verbatim quote is he's going to be given every opportunity to fail at right tackle. So that's what that's ultimately before they, they settle want. before they settle with him at right guard if they have to. I think they yeah. want him to be right, right tackle. Okay. But think that, you know, 
probably ultimately he's going to be a right guard, but they'd love it if he was a right tackle. And I think they're going to give him the chance to be a right tackle before they make him a right guard. That's a good, they, that's they, a good they, way to look at it because, uh, yeah. you know, if he if he's great at right tackle, then, you know, you hit bingo with that pick, you know, and then you could, you could think to yourself, you know, maybe the worst case scenario is that he's going to be a very capable right guard for 10 years in the NFL, hmm. you know? So, yeah, I, I could see that. It's easier to find a right guard than it is to find a right tackle. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And the more I looked at him, the more I looked at him, the more I think that he could play right tackle. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think you're right. I think he, he might, he, he does remind me of Jawan James there. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, he's, he's got a same lot of the body same qualities. Type too, right? Yeah. yeah. That same body type, you know, nastier though. I think, I think he's yeah, nastier. a lot nastier, yes. a lot nastier. Uh, that was always actually a problem that I had with uh, Jawan James, even going back to college is he didn't really have too much nasty in him. Um, but Robert Hunt clearly does. I mean, he'll he'll go out of his way to just kind of smack you in the mouth. Your, yeah, smack you yeah. and f up your day. You know, um, just say fuck, Chris. Just say fuck. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Force your mom's not listening. Now, if we move on, <laughs> well, my six year old is. Oh, I see. If we move on to the defensive side of the the ball, I look at the linebackers, and there's so many of them that I'm I'm wondering you know, what some of these guys are going to be doing on this roster. And I think it's safe to say that Raekwon McMillan, Vanoy, and Baker are locks. And I would say Kamu Grigier-Hill is also a lock because he's, he's an ace special teamer. That's four mm. guys. But I'll give you four guys. What are these guys going to be doing on the roster? And are some of them in danger? And that's Vince Beagle, Andrew Van Ginkle, Sam Egulvan, and Landon Roberts. Simon? I think Alandon Roberts makes the team. I think Eglavon doesn't make the team. And I think they really like Van Ginkel and, and Beagle. I thought they were interesting. There's a couple of players that I find really interesting on the team. Van Ginkel is one of them. Beagle is another. And Zach Sealer is another. These sort of sexy yes. little underrated kind of little chess pieces that, you know, that New England were always so successful with. Like, who the fuck is this dude? And yet here he is, you know, he's getting in quarterbacks' faces. He's, you know, he's he's affecting the pocket. He is um, you know, look look what look what Zach Sealer nobody knew who Zach like Zach Sealer didn't know who Zach Sealer was. <laughs> and, you know, this dude had kicked around at the Ravens for a couple of years, you know, twelve tackles in his career, and all of a sudden he's coming in and you know, there was a couple of games where you just thought, fuck me, this guy's good. You know, he's really causing havoc. He is affecting the pocket. He is forcing quarterbacks to to change throwing platforms and, and to, to be flushed out of the pocket. And I, I thought Van Ginkle played all right when he when he came off uh, PUP. And I thought Beagle played well as well. And I just think they're, they're, they're just kind of interesting chess pieces that a team like this really, really needs. And I, and I think you end up hiding, you know, you might end up listing, a, you know, one of them as a defensive end, you know, because look, where's Curtis? Is Weaver going to be an outside linebacker or is he going to be a, is he going to be a defensive end? How are we going to end up mm-hmm. listing some of these guys? You know, you, you think Roberts is going to make the team. I did hear you say about Grugia Hill and I think I agree with you. I think he's going to make the team. Um, but I think guys like Avery Moss, gone, you know, um, Kylan Johnson, probably unlikely. Trent Harris, gone. Crawford, gone. But Egwavan, I don't think he ends up making it. I just, I just don't. Um, well, he and he yeah. and Grugier Hill are probably in a, in a competition for yeah. that for that special teams slash weak side spot. Yeah, um, I just don't behind, think you bring in Grugier. Yeah. 
I don't think you bother bringing in Grugia Hill if you're comfortable with with, with Sam Egwavan. That's just yeah. the that's just the my yeah. Take and Grugia Hill, and you got to remember, Grugia Hill played played snaps on a really good defense that won a Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah. you know, so yeah, this is the guy that's coming here with chops already. Mm-hmm. And he's a really athletic guy who can play some sub package, you know, some mm-hmm. sub package. Um, uh, and he's small. Yeah, he, you know, he's six two, two thirty. He's not a big kid. You know, so he can play, you know, he's a guy that I've seen play in coverage. He's a guy that can drop off into coverage on, you know, on obvious passing downs, on third downs, those sorts of things that you could, you know, you can get in some stuff packages. So, yeah, I think he makes the team. I think that um, Alandon Roberts could, the way I have it, I have, I have my own, you know, 53-man roster, depth chart, whatever. And the way I have it is I have uh, Raekwon McMillan with Landon Roberts behind him. I have Jerome Baker with Cam Hill behind him. And um, and uh, on the among the outside linebackers, I really have Kyle Van Noy, Vince Beagle, Andrew Van Ginkle, and Curtis Weaver. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ended up cutting Charles Harris. And or no, they traded him. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah, that um, and <laughs> yeah, and they. And, and I, I thought, see, the way I was thinking is Jason Strobridge was going to have to compete with Taco Char- Charlton uh, for a roster spot. And Curtis Weaver was going to have to compete with sort of his analog and Charles Harris. And, um, and, and then they ended those competitions before they started because they, they cut Taco and they traded uh, Charles Harris. So, um, so I think that those guys do have places they can get on the – by the way, Zach Sealer, um, you know, it makes – don't you just want to keep – following whoever whoever the Baltimore Ravens put on their practice mm. squad. Yeah. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I mean think of think also about the the fact that they let uh, Zadarius Smith escape from free agency yeah. and and go off to a you know contract in Green Bay. I, I don't remember what the contract was, but I don't think it was like absurd absurd. And uh and now look look what he is. I mean I just wanna I just want to grab what but anyway um so with the uh, outside line Backers, I think Kyle Van Noy is first, uh, first banana, and um, and then Vince Beagle and Andrew Van Ginkle, and then Curtis Weaver is going to be fighting for that extra mm. spot to prove that he can get on the field as a pass rusher and actually, you know, rush the passer well. Um, Four years, and I, sixty-six I that, million. I think those, yeah, that that little that little price tag, uh, Chris was. 40, well, I didn't say it was a little price tag. Only, yeah, but well, actually, though, it's only twenty million guaranteed, so it's not a massive. Yeah. it's not a massive deal. Although he's pretty much earned that already. Okay, moving on to the to the defensive backfield. I want to start with you, Simon. What is the fate of these three guys? Okay, and the, I'm going to leave the best name for last. Nick Needham. Jamal Perry, formerly known as Jamal Welts. Quadrant Tankersley. Yeah, he's still on the roster. Is he? Yes. I think this is the uh, I, I think this is an absolutely fascinating, fascinating group of players. And so many players got time last year. You look at the guys that we picked, you know, Nate Brooks picked up off the street, ended up playing. Yes. Uh, Tay Hayes picked up off the street, ended up playing. Ryan Lewis picked up off the street, ended up starting. And actually Stephen Parker pretty, making plays pretty, against the Patriots. Yeah. Ryan Lewis playing pretty well, you know. Stephen Parker, exactly. J- Jamal Waltz as he was, Jamal Perry now making plays. Ken Webster doing the same thing. Uh, you know, I, the, the battle to 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 make this team uh, in the defensive backfield is fascinating because you look, there must be 12, 15 names here, Brooks, Colbert, uh, 
uh, Clayton, um, <laughs> Kayvon Fraser, Tay Hayes, Howard, Noah, Brandon Jones, Byron Jones, Ryan Lewis, Bobby McCain, Nick Needham, Stephen Parker, Jamal Wiltz, Rowe, Tankersley, Webster. I mean, there's a lot of players with experience there. I mean, I don't think Tankersley makes the team. I think he's done. Um, I think he's gone. Um, but I think Nick Needham makes a team, absolutely. Um, I think he was a, you know, an absolute abomination in preseason, and I think he was a, one of the best, player, one of the best players on defense towards the back end of the season. I don't think yes. that's a, a stretch of the imagination. I thought, you know, the turnaround that he made was was phenomenal, and it's it, it harks back to something that the Patriots have done, especially, you know, B Flow and um, and your defensive coordinator, who was obviously so uh, such an integral part in in bringing in sort of free agent and late round defensive backs to the Patriots, including Malcolm Butler, and it feels like they found another guy that you know. Can can do a job, and, and that's what he did. You know, he's. Uh, I just thought he played really well down the back end, so I think he definitely makes the team. And Perry is he's going to be in a battle. You know, Noah Igbenogane is going to make it difficult for everybody because Noah's going to play, and he's, if he doesn't play, he's going to make the team. Um. So, but I think I think Nida makes the team. I think Jamal Perry probably makes the team, but I I, I do think it's the end of the road for for Cordray Tankersley, unfortunately. Well, I I wonder if it's the end of the road for Cordero Tankersley because we always we always wondered if he would be a really good fit for the. Um, we wondered if he could have a little bit of a renaissance uh, in in this style um, of of defense under Brian Flores last year, but he was never healthy enough to do it. Maybe now he is. Um, so I, what I'm trying to forecast here is uh, it's obvious Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and Noah, Noah Igbenogane uh, are going to make the team, and, and we're pretty sure Nick Needham would be a fourth down on that list. Yeah, and I think yeah. that those first three guys but that who's you mentioned, those are the starters. I think those yeah. are the starters. But who's the fifth? And, and mm-hmm. I do think there's going to be a fifth, and there might even be a sixth. Um, you know, who, who is that fifth? Is, is it, um, you know uh, – Ryan Lewis or uh, or Jamal Perry, uh, who I mean, is it Bobby he played, McCain? He is a Bobby McCain. Uh, mm-hmm. But Jamal Perry, I mean, say what you want, he played a lot last year consistently, mm-hmm. and so they obviously really like him. Uh, Ken Webster, um, Nate Brooks, those guys are still here. Uh, I think Tay Hayes is still here, and I actually he thought he played. Here. I thought he I played, played really well. well. Yeah, um, I so thought, I was so, impressed with Lewis as well. Yeah, I mean, they're Lewis had his moment. They all had their moments. So, um, so who's going to make up that fifth? And uh, honestly, I, I kind of wonder if he's fully healthy, and he gets a preseason. You know, don't count out and then Tankersley because because if you simplify things and and have him just playing man coverage on the outside, um, it might it might look better than you than you think. Um, so I, I kind of wonder about that, but it's it's more. I guess more of my question is, is at the safety spot because, you know, is Bobby McCain going to play there or not? Is what Brandon Jones, how's, how's he going to fit in? Like how often is he going to play right away? Will, will Byron Jones move out there at times? Adrian Colbert, they will. just, they just got him back. Does that mean he's on the roster? Um, Clayton. <laughs> Clayton. Jedlam. Oh, oh. For Jedlam well, is another new, guy. Oh, now you're saying, well, now you're saying it with no problem. Clan. 
Because I've been practicing whilst you've been talking. I think he's Fajedalum a new Walt could... Akins. I think uh, Fajedalum, although he's played some snaps it, on defense, <clears throat> he's he's a special teamer also. He's yeah. a... He's more yeah, special. He's, he's a captain. But he's a guy that yeah, but he's a guy that can sub package more than what Aikens could. He's a guy that you know the yeah. Bengals had in the lineup more mm-hmm. often and more reliably than than Walt Aikens. So I, I think I think the and it did pay him. Guy, it's also instructive. They did pay him commensurate yeah. with guys that usually make the roster because mm-hmm. they the guaranteed guy. So. Out of these 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, 14, 15, 17 guys. I think Brandon Jones is as important hmm. to the, how that secondary works as any of those players. Because if Brandon Jones can come in and prove that he can be a starter to allow Eric Rowe to sort of freelance around like he did last year, if Jones can control that sort of center field, that takes an awful lot of weight off everything else. And then, like Chris says, sometimes Byron Jones kicks into free safety like he's played at a very high level in the NFL, and you go two men on the outside with Noah and with um, with Xavier, you know, thing, you know, and you get Matt – Nick Needham comes in as your third corner. I think there will be all sorts of situations. They've just got lots of versatile players. And, and you go back and watch that LSU game – where Brandon's man-to-man with um, with Justin Jefferson. You know, it's not like he can't do it. So they've just got lots of – I think it's such a fascinating – they've got so many interesting pieces in that secondary, and it, it absolutely speaks to, to, to a Brian Flores secondary. Well, you know what's really interesting is there's no real safeties back there. There's, yeah. I mean, there there's one. There's not. I think there's one, and that's Adrian Colbert, who's, yes. a, who's a real – like a, a – plug and play he'd be a safety on every team kind of play or player um and they just got him back which is interesting but they kicked they booted off Rashad Jones who would have been who would have been like a real safety as well um Clayton uh is probably so but <laughs> probably so the uh, a real safety but a, more of a special teams ace I think and, I think uh, Kayvon so, Fraser is a because he was a strong safety, wasn't he? At Oklahoma State, I think he's yeah. Gone. But I, if he makes the squad, if he if he makes the I, yeah, where I mean, where he is on that depth chart, I I kind of tend to figure yeah. he's pretty good. Free. Luck he's with that, buddy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Stephen Parker, uh, um, Stephen but, Parker. But I mean, Brandon Jones. Yeah, Brandon Jones moved up and played a lot of slot corner this year um, in uh, at Texas, uh, and he's he's kind of a guy that moves all over the place. Uh, Bobby McCain, we know his history, slot corner, moved out to free safety, still plays slot corner, you know, that, that sort of thing. Eric mm. Rowe was a corner for yeah. a, lot, a lot of his career in, in college and, and has played safety as well. And then for the Dolphins, he was sort of a strong safety, you know, a tight mm. end specialist. Mm. Um, and it was uh, – and they kind of used him creatively. So, I mean, they, they don't really have safeties. like A guy, the, yeah. Yeah, and the I mean Parker Parker ended those, up with four starts, twenty tackles, three passes defended, and three picks in four, <laughs> fourteen yeah. games, which isn't yeah. Bad does he make the roster? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma, he's got as good a shot as anybody. Yeah, he does. That, well, that that's and that's the point on this roster. Mm-hmm. And he has that rangy look, you know, mm. kind of in your single high. On this roster, they they really will will go ahead and keep guys and. They're gonna they're gonna put guys on IR just like they did last year, I'm sure. So cool. So you're gonna end up uh, you're gonna end up uh, like kind of uh, rotating through 
a bunch of these no names again and they'll give you a chance they'll they'll genuinely give you a chance if you earn it um so i think that that's that's interesting to to keep going i i have i think you had an interesting point about brandon jones like him being and i would extend it to bobby mccain because his his experiment at free safety was ended um prematurely i guess uh you know he got hurt himself um but i i kind of you know i don't i don't have much confidence in it i never have um that doesn't mean that the dolphins don't and um and so we'll see we'll see how he does there uh in more than nine games this time if he does last more than nine games um, and that could be key i think you're right about that all right there's Melon. a very interesting um argument happening on instagram between michael thomas and Devonte parker as we talk so NFL on Fox have just tweeted, which is tougher? A, make a catch while guarded by Stefan Gilmore, or B, break up a pass while guarding Michael Thomas? To which Devontae Parker replied, A, then to which Michael Thomas replied to Devontae, you can't even, you can't even get, I can't read that bit. Um, but then it says, for you, yes, go run some numbers up, then you can talk. I lapped you and you've been in the league longer than me, first rounder. To which Parker put, got me some hard feelings there, brother. Let me get targeted 300 times a game like you do. To which Thomas put... <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> to which Thomas put, in other words, you're weak. They don't even put your name in the same sentence as me. Remember that. You're still not going to do nothing. It took you six years and 17 weeks to have a good game. Get the fuck out of here. Blame, blame your parents and not no quarterback. To which Devontae these guys, replies... These guys have been locked up in quarantine for way too long. Wow. To which Devonte replies, quit crying, brah. To which Michael Thomas replies, you heard what I said. To which Devonte replies, didn't hear shit. <laughs> to, which, to which Thomas replies, you can't even get a seat at the table. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Michael, Michael, Michael Thomas got all in his feelings because uh, Parker wanted to just boast about the, the guy that he beat up on the last game of the season. Yeah. Really? Like Michael Thomas has to... I don't know. It, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, I think uh, it's it's odd. Twitter does. I will say this. Does I will say this about Dolphins fans. Dolphins fans seem to freak out over the fact that Devonte Parker had one good game against Stefan Gilmore. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah, but what a game! Simon. Yeah, he's like but, you know, he's like he's like our Don Shula now. Just yeah, because nobody it, nobody mentions the fact that Stefan Gilmore ruined Devonte Parker for about fifteen games straight. The fact that he had one good game against him is like all of a sudden Devontae has become Randy Moss, and wait a minute, he's not. Gilmore and Gilmore has become like Elvis Toast Patterson. And there was one of these. There was one of those catches where it was. I think it was. I think it was that final game. It might have been the first one, but I thought it was the final game. Where, I mean, clearly Stephen Gilmore was was peeking in the backfield, and he was playing Ryan Fitzpatrick, not Devontae Parker. And and like Fitzpatrick got him on a shoulder on a shoulder fake, got him to bite up, and then Devontae Parker snuck right behind him and uh, and, and so my and favorite this, play, my favorite. That's play. not even on. Look, let, let's let's be real. Last year, I wasn't watching Dolphin games as I would normally watch them. Like I normally watch them, rooting for them to win. Last year, I was just watching suspiciously and trying to endure the season. And kind of hoping that our draft position would land us a certain quarterback that shall remain nameless. But the one time all year where I actually fist pumped during the game was in that first quarter when Devontae Parker gave an in and out 
and in and then an out and caught that ball on on Stephon Gilmore for about 12 yards, then turned around, saw Stephon Gilmore in front of him and decided, you know what? I'm just going to run this motherfucker over. And he ran him over and then stepped on his chest. That's the one time all year where I pumped I, I did a little pump fist. Got a little excited. Do you think that, do you think that Devontae thinks he's arguing Michael Thomas to form a free safety? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, um, I'm just putting it out there. Possibly. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the defensive line. And then I know that, that uh, Chris had some questions on the other side of the ball. But I'll pose this question like this, and I'll start with you, Chris. Shaq Lawson, Devon Godshaw, Kristen Wilkins, Emmanuel Ogba, Raekwon Davis, Zach Cedar. That's six. What's missing on this group? How would you improve it? Well, like I said before, Jason Strobridge was going to probably compete with uh, Taco and for a spot, and then, and then Taco got cut. So I would probably forecast Strobridge to make that final – even though I don't like him all that much, to be honest, um, I think that uh, I think he fits the bill. Like you know, he fits he fits what they want, mm-hmm. and um, and so he's going to make that final spot at defensive end. And that's those are going to be your what is that seven guys? Um, seven guys. Seven guys, and not not counting Curtis Weaver, who's going to be you know I'll, I'll consider him a linebacker for now. Mm-hmm. That is what he played at Boise. Um, so. But yeah, I think that's that's your seven, and I think that Devon Godshaw probably, you know, first first string nose tackle, but Raekwon Davis going to be spelling him quite a bit, maybe maybe moving in on that position. Um, that's my opinion. I mean, some people might have him more as a defensive uh, out at defensive end, but I think that they're going to try and give Christian Wilkins some chances um, a little a little further out to uh, to try and make a difference there. Big year for Christian. Yeah, it is, it is going to be a big year for him. I mean, there, he needs to be – this needs to be step-up time. You need to be a yeah. first-round pick. Yeah, big-time um, step-up. So, I think that that's, that's where you have it, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Agba. Shaq, Shaq has the – he has the, the more of the versatility because he was used as an outside linebacker at uh, Clemson, which a lot of people don't necessarily remember about him. Um, he, had, he played with his, uh, his hand up off the ground a lot. And, um, and so, and he can play, he can play both the closed end or the, um, the crash end position or, you know, or play like an outside linebacker, um, or a wide end, you know, like he can, he can do either one of those. Emmanuel Agba, um, is more of a straight up defensive end. In fact, I'm not sure that he fits the versatility theme, to be honest. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and you know, and then that's um, that's about it. And Zach, I would just say it's about Zach Sealer. He just he was so good. He was so good in those mm. in those couple of games. It was really the, the first he was. I forget which game it was um, that he got. It was a high of a, there, wasn't it? It was a few snaps he got, and I was I was like, wow, that just it was only ten snaps, but holy crap, what a you know what a ten snaps, and yeah. then. And then he played that entire Cincinnati game and he wrecked them, you know? And so, so I think, and then he, and then he didn't play again because I think they, they were just putting everybody on IR at that point. He played against um, the Giants as well, I think, where he was. Did he? Had an absolute, yeah. Played three technique, I think. And it was just everywhere. It was like stopping the run, shedding blocks, chasing down zone reads <laughs> from the backside. Yeah. I just thought 
I think that, I'm sure that was the game. I just thought he played. I mean, he had 19 and a half sacks in 2016, his final season at Ferris State. I mean, yeah, he's a legit. He had 31 reps, a 4.840. You know, he was he's six. He's he, six six and 290, and he did that. Yeah, yeah. no <laughs> mug. He's no mug. Yeah, I mean that's that's really that that's your that's your X factor right there. That he, yeah. he anybody be surprised if he jumps up and is better than one of the two signings that we made, Shaq Lawson or Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Not every signing works, right? We know that. Yeah. Um, so one of, chances are one of those two guys is, is going to work out. One of those two guys is going to be like, ooh, that's not working out too good. Um, you know, any, any, any surprise if Zach Sealer just leapfrogs one of them? Uh, no, mm-hmm. not for me. So, um, yeah, really watch out for him. I, I, I look forward to That's one of the players on the – we're going to talk about this probably, like pick out your most important players in the bottom of the roster. To me, that's one of the most important on the bottom of the roster is a guy that could really jump up and, you know, hey, this guy's making a difference. All right, Simon, you could – if you want to chime in. If not, Chris, you could – Oh, I kind of feel like – We've done it. Yeah. All right. Well, let me pose a question then about going back to the offensive side of the ball because we kind of skipped some positions. Um, we skipped running back. We skipped tight end. Tight ends a little less or a little uh, more boring, I think, because we kind of know about Mike Gesicki and uh, Durham Smith behind him. And, you know, they, they just acquired Michael Roberts. We haven't done a lot of talking about him, though, to be fair. Um at the running and back big position. Game, and don't forget big game Chris Myrick. A big yeah, game Chris Myrick. I, I do Robert's like him, makes, actually, a lot. I think Robert makes the team over Myrick, though, doesn't he? Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to forecast that. Um, but then again, if they – see, it, it really depends because if, if they need, uh, for some reason, they feel like they need a straight-up block, you know, a tight end that can definitely block, definitely block. Um, then that's of the whole roster, you know, it's Durham Smith and Chris Myrick. And if Durham Smith gets injured or something like that, then it's like, well, then it's Chris Myrick. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it just depends because like, if you're running, if you're running duo, um, you know, and, uh, or double teaming, uh, run blocking plays, uh, on those plays, you can't hide a bad tight end. You know, they, they actually they actually need to be able to create movement. And in zone plays, you know, Mike Gesicki or or somebody that if they're not a great blocker, they can it's it's not as big of a deal. But um but some of those those duo plays are like those double team plays, like if you're tight end can't cut it, then it's like, uh, eh, sorry. So so Myrick has a shot that way. But I, I want to talk about running back actually. Because mm-hmm. um you know, I think that I kind of the more I looked at Malcolm Parton Perry, the more I thought, you know, could this guy find his way into being like, you know, number two guy this year? I mean, really making a difference in these games uh, and and getting his number called a lot. And I kind of think that he could. I I I, I think that we it goes back to the conversation about Brandon Ayuk. You know, how are they going to use him? What were they going to do with him? What, where did he fit in? And I thought he fit in like, a, like an Albert Wilson. Um, and Albert Wilson probably would have been gone if they drafted Brandon Ayuk. But, um, mm. 
you know, I think that I think that he fits in as he's he's a different kind of receiver. It's it's a lot like Lavisca Chenault, you know. Um, yeah. They're different kinds of receivers. They're more X factor players, uh, and I think that Malcolm Perry is that X factor kind of you know receiver and X factor kind of runner, outside runner. And what do you I think, think of that, Malcolm Perry as Danny Woodhead. Yeah, well, I think that that fits. I think that he he plays a lot like Deion Lewis too, uh, mm. to be honest. And um, and I think that I know that Brian Flores has a lot of experience in New England with some of those guys going all the way back to Kevin Falk, um, Danny Woodhead, and and Deion Lewis. And I think that yeah, he compares favorably to to these these smaller guys that can really make a difference running. The, I mean, he is so elusive. It's it's really just mind boggling. I've got some him. bad news for you. Oh, is he cut? Kalen Balaj isn't making the roster, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has the yips. He forgot how to play football. He forgot how to catch the ball. He forgot he how to do everything. Do you, know that, do you know that Miles Gaskin has double the yards per carry career that uh, Kalen Balaj does? What's Miles' is three? <laughs> 3.9, I think. Oh, wow. Well, that's pretty I good. I mean, you've got to think. You've got to think that Breeder and Jordan Howard are the first two up. I think they really like Patrick Laird. I like what I think they like what he does on special teams. I thought he played pretty well with a shit offensive line, caught the ball, um, mm-hmm. plays well on special teams. I think But I know, think Malcolm got... Perry replaces him. Do you think? Hmm. Yeah. I think Malcolm Perry probably replaces Miles Gaskin. Hmm. And I think I know that Cox Jordan Howard and Miles and Miles Gaskin replaces Caleb Balash. Yeah, I will yeah. say I will say this. After Jordan Howard and Matt Breda, where are the snaps? I think that all the gimmick snaps go to Malcolm Perry. Nobody else plays. In a perfect world, I say in a perfect world, when they're sitting in there in Davy and they're drawing up their plans for this season, in a mm-hmm. perfect world, no no other running back touches the ball besides I think Jordan there's an Howard, asterisk. Matt Breda and Malcolm Perry. I, I think there's an asterisk to that though, in that ha- neither Howard nor Breda have have consistently stayed healthy yes exactly it's true and and also consider that and i know i'm going to be unpopular for saying this i think kalen balaj is going to make the team mate he's Uh, never making it i think i think he is is he going to remember how to catch the ball again no i during games i'm going to say no um but the thing is he he really he really impacted them in training camp last year and I, I know that I actually saw some of those practices firsthand. So for whatever reason, he was like a star in some of those practices and then absolute shit in the games. And so he scored eight not go- touchdowns in one game. <laughs> he's in an, he's F- gonna, in an FBS game. I remember that. I remember watching the game, uh, but he's going to go, he's going to go into camp again. So they're not going to be playing games again for a while. Simon, right? I so- saw Kellen Balazs running out and up on Xavier Howard and catch a 40 yard touchdown in, in practice. In camp yeah, last the keyword, the keyword there is practice. Yeah. I saw him in but, an yes. actual game with grown ups, and he couldn't, I could, my mum could have got more yards. My mum could see a <laughs> My mom could see a bigger hole, and she's got cataracts. She hasn't got cataracts, but the joke works better if I said that. Um, where's where's that twi- uh, where's that tweeter? Uh, yeah, exactly. Your mom's exactly. big hole. Um, exactly. 
but yeah, Kalen Balaj, the only thing, but parents. they're not going to be in games with him. They're, they're going to be in practice with him and he's going to be impressing them again. And then all of a sudden you're like, shit, he made the team again. Uh, I mean, I think that's going to happen. And the other thing is, <laughs> you think the other thing is say that you think Brian Flores on, on the uncut on day is going to say, shit, Kalen Balaj I think made the team somebody again. in that front office is going to be like, shit, he made the team again. <laughs> and, and yeah. And, and the, here, consider this Jordan yeah. Howard does gets injured, right? Jordan Howard gets injured. Who, what kind of power back do you have, you know, near the goal line or in, uh, in, in those sorts of situations? It's not Matt Breida. It's not Malcolm Perry. It's not Miles Gaskin. Mm. Uh, Patrick Landry on the land machine. The land machine. All like five foot uh, ten and what, 195 pounds of him? The, he looks the like a taxi. You guys want a funny story? After the last uh, preseason game uh, that was here, it was against Jacksonville. I went into the locker room and I went into the locker room late because I went to go talk to, I went to go, well, not talk to, but listen to Brian Flores talk. So I walk into the locker room and I'm looking for Patrick Laird. And I remember that I walked past this white guy that was standing in one of the corner lockers twice. And everybody was, was covering him up. And I was like, why the hell does everybody want to talk to Jason Sanders so much? And I took a second look, and it's Patrick Laird. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were going to say you confused him. I thought you were going to say you confused him for one of the equipment guys. Yeah. The other, <laughs> well, guy, the other guy. If you look at him, he is not like, I don't know what he's built at. What does he build at? 5'9", 200 pounds? 5'9", 190? Nine, six Six foot, two hundred pounds, isn't he? No way. Uh, six I don't. He's not There's really. There's not a chance foot. in hell that guy is six feet, two hundred pounds. It's yeah. just not well, possible. Anyway, that's what. He's, that's what he's officially listed at. The other guy who get the ball near the goal line is Chandler Cox. Yeah, could be. Uh, maybe I. I don't know. Like, doesn't? Do they trust him with that? Does he even make the team? That's a. That's a fair question at this point. Are they going to use fullback enough to uh, to justify it? And also, like, you know, Alandon Roberts played a lot of fullback this year at, yeah. with the Patriots. I mean, he played 70 That's snaps on the, on the offensive side. And if he's going to be like sort of a backup Mike to Raquan McMillan and doesn't end up in the game that often on the defensive side of the ball, I wouldn't be shocked if, if they just go in and say, you know, hey, let's, let's bang out two for one uh, instead of keeping a whole position for Chandler Cox. And let's just, oh, let's just put, let Alandon. Well, Chandler Cox's dad died this week, so uh, uh, okay. Well, uh, I think, all right. I take I that, that back. Should, I think we should be nice to him this week. Yeah, I take that back. Chandler Cox is going to make the team. <laughs> okay, but Kellen Balage won't, in Simon's estimation. Patrick Laird think, ran the fastest three cone that there would have been. At, although he didn't go to the combine, he ran the fastest three cone that would have been at the combine. Six eighty four amongst running backs. I had and he six, measured. He measured in officially at six foot two hundred and four pounds at the Cal Pro Day. It's it's where five, the hell are the, where the five hell eleven are the inches and, the, and and that weight? I just don't see it. <laughs> yeah, he, he it's five eleven and a half. Four fifty six. Is that what you said? Yeah. It's not wow. too bad. Yeah, but then you yeah. know, then Kellen Balaj walks past him, and you know he's giant, runs sub four five. He used nope. to catch the back, ball back, backwards. Patrick Laird is a lot like a lot of the players in the defensive secondary and really all over the team in 2019, which is to say that it's like you really want to like them and you want to root for them, but you realize that these, these are the guys that man a really, really awful team. 
And that little white underachievers. And when and when you actually like look to to actually trying to get good, you're like, well, they're probably not going to be here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually, that's usually what works. But yeah, yeah like we're going to have to devote eventually, you know, at least a segment to Callum Balaj's yips because I've never seen that before happen in in my life ever. Like you don't go been- from a guy that catches the ball as well as anybody in college football to a guy that that doesn't know what the hell he's doing in the NFL. When if we spend another second talking about Kalen Balaj, then we are doing our listeners out of a massive disservice. And there's 10,000 people out there who do not want to hear about Kalen Balaj. When he runs for 2,000 yards on 1,000 I will bet you, Simon. I will bet you, Simon, that Kalen Balaj makes the team. Okay. What do you want? What are you going to bet? Put up for it. Uh, Alf. I want to bet Alf. <laughs> We're going to bet Alf? <laughs> Yeah, you get to keep him. So I, I'm going to be so slavery. Okay. If not, I get to keep him, and he gets okay. to live over right. here. Okay. Right. So the only non-white that's person fitting. on this podcast is being bought and sold. Exactly. Across, exactly. Across the ocean that's we, too. Like that's how know. we do it essentially. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. It's I mean, it is modern day it slavery. Is transatlantic, it is the transatlantic trade going on right here. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. you can come here, and we can smoke stogies in the backyard, or you can stay with Chris and uh, do whatever. In Chris's house, but and, and one way or another, presumably also smoke stogies in the backyard over here. Yeah, too. one way or another, and then argue over <laughs> cryptocurrencies. Exactly. Yeah, that's probably that's probably true. <laughs> well, dear listener, you really cannot complain. Okay, it is casual racism to finish off the show. No, you, you can't. <laughs> I think they can complain about that. Actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is the dead of the offseason okay like actually nothing is going on absolutely nothing going on except the california governor saying yeah okay let's start sports again in june so that's good news but we gave you over an hour and 10 minutes today so you can't complain we will talk to you guys again next week about what we have no idea thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.